how dark we get? I mean, it, hey, we get very personal. Being an only child and kind of always having to figure out and, and kind of adapt to wherever you're going to be, it kind of lets you be in a position not to ever meet a stranger. Right. Instead of me getting in trouble, my dad was like, watch and write down what everybody else is doing and then come tell us the story later. I turned this into something because it's really not about you. I gave, I'm, I'm, I'm giving somebody I'm related to, they can think about someone just like this that they know. As always, y'all kick back, relax. Welcome to Suave Sessions with Tone Bell. guys are subscribing to the magazine make sure you subscribe make sure you hit that like button turn your notifications on so that you can see when we post new videos new content share with your friends your circle your family co-workers and leave comments man let us know what you guys think about um the interview all that said let's get to it what was childhood like for you you said you grew up in atlanta how dark we get? I mean, it, hey, we get very personal. Um, I just found out, to be honest with you. I just found out what I thought my childhood was like <laughs> was not how I thought it was. So it was, it was just. Uh, so I'm an only child, so like it was, it was, you know, only child syndrome. But um, but I recently learned, probably like the last eight ten months, that like I I've been. I've been kind of passed around a little more than I than I knew I was within family. Okay. So like you know I, I didn't really know until my mom came to visit me last fall. Uh, you know, kind of mid mid pando, she came to uh, L.A. Uh, my folks are still live in Atlanta, and she came in, and I found out. I always used to you know like a lot of kids in the summertime you go see extended family like out of town or whatever you know for the first right. summer. I thought that started when I was like six or seven. And my mom was like, nah, you've been doing that since you was like eight, nine months old. Like your grandma came to pick you up Memorial Day and she dropped you off at Labor Day. And I'm like, hold on, I was with other people right after birth? <laughs> right after birth. And she was like, oh yeah, you just spent your first five birthdays with us. And I was like, the fuck? <laughs> she was like, I'm like, I'm looking at all these birthday pictures. And I thought they was in Atlanta, but they was in St. Louis. And I'm like, mom blown. So between so between doing that between uh like kind of just getting you know a little handed off with family which is kind of a good thing but it never left me in a place to uh kind of have roots to be stationary enough so i kind of have a a fleeting sense of time when it comes to you know relationships and and just you know when i get eight ten months doing a certain thing it feels like it should be coming to an end yeah and it, I, it's kind of now you know you start backtracking through you know your life and you go oh shit this oh this making a lot of sense this is why yeah so y'all did this so, to me uh, so childhood <laughs> was good I mean you know I mean no humble beginnings you know but it but it was uh, um, learning that goes it made a lot more sense to me kind of unpacking and debunking some things that that I thought was I'm like why do I have traits like this and then I'm like oh this is why. This makes yeah. sense now, so so I can try to like uh, to, to to rewire it now. But I mean, it was yeah. a good childhood, man. I mean, like you know, only child, uh, a lot of friends out of family. Um, you know, played ball, went to high school, graduated from HBCU, worked in corporate America for a bit, 
hopped around, lived in a few different cities, and then uh, uh, started doing comedy in 2008 when I moved to Dallas. So I moved to Dallas in 07, started comedy in 08, working for uh, Anheuser-Busch, and it was just like a, a, a you know, a thing where like, I, I always wanted to be in entertainment and, and be a comedic actor, but none of my family did that. And, and I mean, I got stories from, from, from high school and junior high, all the kind of stuff where it kind of prompted me to, to, to work on that. But when I got to um, Dallas, it was like, man, I got a corporate gear. I can't just be going audition for plays. And yeah, I, I got a day job, you know? So it was the only thing I knew how to do that to, to get this out of my system was like, man, I love comedy. I love hosting. I love, you know, like, all right, I'm gonna do stands. The only thing I can do, like, if, if I'm good at it, then I can get some love at it. If I'm not, I can just go back to work. Right. If I, do, if I give myself a year or two and it, and it, and it, I ain't making no waves in it, or I don't get embraced by a community for it, then then at least I got a job. Yeah. You yeah. know, so but I but I fell in love with it, man, and just like the, the ups and downs of it was so uh, uh addicting that I I couldn't give it up. So it was it was uh, uh I love it now. It's, it's the love of my life, man. There's like that understanding that like different cities have different mentalities. Um, how did you adjust to that, or was that easier because of your upbringing and being in different cities all the time? Man, I think I think it did help. Like in retrospect, I think it did help of, of being the only child and kind of always having to figure out and, and kind of adapt to wherever you're gonna be. It kind of lets you be in a position not to ever meet a stranger, right? So yeah. so you kind of got to get by, and so you align with people going, "Can I find an ally here? Can I find?" A friend here can i you know what's because i mean going from atlanta to san francisco and atlanta wasn't the atlanta we know now in 2005 when i go to san francisco so like that was just a, a crazy adjustment but also i saw so many i mean it, you know what the makeup of atlanta is yeah and going to san francisco it was like oh this shit different and everybody kind of kick it it's still a little hood people a little more free the gay community mm -hmm. was cool as fuck and i had never experienced that before and then like just different food i ain't never had i ain't never had sushi i ain't never i ain't never seen a, a real jalapeno till i got to the west coast <laughs> bruh it's different and you start going man i ain't never seen a real jalapeno before <laughs> it took me a minute to get into sushi i mean like it, it was it was so different so it was like it was nice being able to pick up just different parts of life and, and people and learn it and everybody not crazy like it's it's not everybody is not how they are from georgia everybody's not how they are from chicago yeah. st louis and, and uh yeah it, it was i mean i went from uh i mean a lot of family in the midwest of so st louis chicago and then i'm from atlanta live in savannah miami new orleans dallas san francisco and now la so it was like it's it's been knowing that people are just different in different places but like that don't make yeah. it terrible you know what i mean you can always find good people in any place so it's about it's about the people and they make the place yeah. better so yeah because you know i mean like you said you hopped around too because you know we all we both know people that ain't never leaving ain't never ain't, ain't going to don't want to see nothing don't want to do nothing and every trip is miami that's vacation yeah. we're going to miami and that's it that's it you know what i mean they so like it's, it's ain't left a time zone yet <laughs> <laughs> don't know what jet lag is like it's just it's crazy yeah i mean like you know to, to develop a group of friends in dallas who not comedy related at all we go to barcelona we go to ibiza we go to london we go to dublin it's like oh man i'm getting a chance to see other stuff with other people that niggas i grew up with yeah driving to miami <laughs> a passport driving. <laughs> nah, man i got no passport, passport? passport? what is that for? 
I ain't leaving. I ain't gonna be able to get back in. Like, I ain't got insurance on my car. You think I got a passport? <laughs> so when you when you start comedy, what what made you what made you jump in? Because comedy that's a hard that's a hard industry to yeah. dig into and survive. Uh, one you can do it alone, right? So like I said, if, I mean if 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 you're good, you get a pat on the back. If you bomb, you go home. You feel, feel terrible. Yeah. So it's it's it's. Um, I mean, like you can't get hired and you almost can't quit, right? <laughs> it's, like it's, it's the community industry kind of has to embrace you. So it's it's. Uh, um, and then you can be solo at it, but you kind of still need other people too. So I mean, like it's it's a selfish team sport, right? So it's it's a yeah. it's a. Um, it's one of those things where it, uh, I was. I was a huge, you know, Eddie fan, huge Will Smith fan, huge Cosby fan, you know, and like, and, and I told a lot of stories growing up, my parents, like that's how my parents tried to keep me out of trouble. It was like, uh, I would get a lot of trouble in school. And so my dad would make me, like after they have like, you know, they come home from work and after they, if I wasn't in basketball practice, baseball practice, whatever, and I was just on the back porch with them while they having, you know, they having a cup of coffee, smoking a cigarette after work. Instead of me getting in trouble, my dad was like, watch and write down what everybody else is doing and then come tell us the story later. And so that kind of developed. He was like, trim the fat, get to the good parts. And so it kind of kind of got me on the on the road of, of, of how to tell a story. Like, how do I start this? How do I end this? And which kind of came back later in life when I started doing stand-up because I, I'm not a joke writer. I can't, you know, that's why I don't do a lot of late night TV because it's like that four and a half minute slot you have. I, I'm... I want the I want the the Bill Cosby himself. I want the I want the uh, the Carlin, the 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 Patrice O'Neill, the way Chappelle tells the story, the way Kevin tells the story, and all those like very influential to me is like, oh, I tell stories all the time. I can, I think that's gonna be my lane. Yeah. And I mean, I get I do get envious. I mean, I got friends who can open a newspaper and read an article and pop out ten jokes. I'm just not that dude. Like, I got to go down to the store and have a fight with a lady <laughs> you know what i mean i gotta have i gotta have i, I gotta be um <laughs> something just stepped on my shoe after <laughs> you know what i mean like and i didn't spray him off yet and and, and now now the, the the stitching is brown because she stepped on my shoe and didn't apologize and now i gotta do something petty to her to get back to my shoot. And like now that becomes a bit of, of, of how I got into this whole thing. And, and I want you to to walk with me in this journey of like, man, I'd have, I'd been petty to that bitch. You know what I mean? And so like, and that's, and that's where it kind of came from. So getting into it was trying to, you know, cause you start off, they give, you know, three minutes and you yeah. graduate to five minutes and seven minutes. And I always been a storyteller. So when I'm doing my five, I eat up my whole five with one story. Yeah. And I eat up my whole seven with one story. And I get to 10 minutes, and now it's two five-minute stories. So it's always been, it was a little different than anybody else was doing in Dallas where I started. And I don't think, because I didn't have any support there, I think it was easier because, man, you know how it is, man. You know, you try to start something, and even the people that care about you the most really don't believe in you the most. At all. So I don't even know, I can be honest with you, I don't even know if um, I would have started in Atlanta. I, 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 can't, I can't say either way, I just don't know if I would have. Yeah. being in Dallas where I really didn't have a, I had one cousin that lived in Dallas and she was busy raising her son and, and I would see them every now and then, but it was like, I was kind of out there on my own. And I did, you know, I had a couple friends that I, that I, that I had relationships with like the first three or four months that I was there. But then by January 08, I started getting the stand up and it was like, oh, this is, 
I'm also used to being alone because I'm only, I've been hopping around so much. So it was kind of a, a perfect fit. It's right. kind of a perfect fit on on uh, everything changes all the time with stand up. I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't know what the crowd's going to be. So it was that's what I was used to. It was like a little bit of control chaos. Nice. And it's crazy because that that style of comedy is it's hard. Um, because you got to keep people engaged in the story and then you know when you're good at it like that part of that story continues wrapping into other stories and it like always ties back in yeah. so like the stories end up combining themselves and you leave with like catchphrases and jokes from the story and it's it's crazy because people think it's easy right and that's that's not an easy industry i mean everybody's a content creator now I mean, people yeah. online are hilarious. Yeah. I mean, you got regular people that work at Wendy's or Enterprise or FedEx who are hilarious. Yeah. And probably would never touch a stage or a mic, but them TikTok thumbs. At this them, point, you don't have to. No. Nah. So I mean, I mean, it is. It's like, how do you create? How do you keep creating content that's organic, like comedy, for people to keep coming back, like traditional stand-up? Yeah, you know, I mean, so, some stuff translates, some stuff doesn't. But it, it, yeah, I mean, I got a notebook full of stuff that I think is hilarious. It just never worked how I wanted it to work, so people probably don't hear it as much. You know, I mean, then, then I you catch that one thing, and but also it's, it's hard. Like I said, the same dude who can take a newspaper and write ten jokes can pop out material every day, mm -hmm. right? And then when I write something, it's a new twenty minutes. Yeah, and it might not happen for for a month, month and a half. And then that one thing hits and you go, oh shit, I just got a new 15. Right. I got a new 15. If I can keep people engaged in this, I just burn 15 minutes and all I gotta do is now I gotta get another 45 for this new for this new project, whether it's gonna, whether it's gonna be an album or a special, whatever it's gonna be, or just some material you just throw out there for the internet online and just try to keep you engaged. So it's, it's um, yeah, it's, I mean, everybody has a different skill set. So I think you gotta appreciate all of it. With so much, content creation right now how do you stay creative in this atmosphere like how do you do it at this point i don't i'm not uh, a slave to my phone mm. like i'm not i don't post a lot i don't tweet a lot i don't do it's like when you see something from me it's deliberate and it's like there's a there's a bit of like oh he did something new and it may not go crazy viral it might it might just be for my fans it might just be for my supporters but it's like i'm not a i don't go live a lot I don't post stories a lot. I just like, it's, uh, I got to keep my eyes out in the world so that these stories come to me versus me going to look for it inside this device. And I just, I'm not slave to it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm that dude that's like, I'll leave the house for two, three hours without my phone. People like, I was calling you, it was like, I didn't have my phone on. Like, I, like I'd be out in the world butt naked. I had, I've had friends get mad at me because we'll go out together and I'll leave my phone. They're like, you what I need mine for? They're like, why would you leave your phone? That's irresponsible. I'm like, there's five of y'all. Like the other five of y'all have a phone. Everybody that I know would know if they can't get me to call one of you. So carry it for what? Hold on, I'm gonna show you this real quick. Uh, how many, how many baby phone? This is, this is, <laughs> so like last year, I, uh, I was like, I'm not taking my phone no more. And I was like, I just wanna, I just wanna, <laughs> I bought this bitch. Just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
only like the top 10 people that need to reach me can reach me. If I'm going on a hike, if I'm just leaving, that is it. This emergency zone. Where did, wait, where did you even find that at? Hey man, don't be asking this, all the deep questions. It's <laughs> 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 touch screen, come on, man. Oh my touch God. Screen. It got it got the camera. Look at this shit. This shit ridiculous. It it do what you needed to do. It do what I needed to do, and that's it. Like we're overly connected. So there's like there's too much access. Like if you got AirPods, iPhone, Apple Watch, like you're literally just vibrating from people doing whatever it is they're doing and then like all these other apps come up and like notifications are popping up so you're constantly just like picking up your phone and putting it down i don't like have no notifications on my phone nothing pops up i don't ha I, I just it, it'll drive you because i mean it keeps people up at night absolutely i mean if I, it, you know then you talk about people like i told my homegirl all the time she's like i can't find a dude i'm like look up <laughs> You know how hard it is to see a motherfucker coming at the, the man of your dreams if you if you if you like this, like walking across the street. It's very difficult. Look, bitch, you live look in New up. York. You said no. Did you say you live in New York? You are in no, New I live York. in LA, but I'm just in New York right. for something. So you know because New York has where you're crossing the street. There's like the sign on the ground that says "Look up," because people were literally like walking across the street getting hit by cars, and it's just it's insane to me. Like it's. No one is that important. There's no one is that that's that important. Nothing that I'm you like, read. I don't get in the car. I don't let people text and drive when I'm in the car. You get look and listen. I don't do that yeah, shit. No. I do not do that shit. Like I'll be in the car with my assistant. And she's like, let me look on the calendar. No, you driving. We can wait. It ain't that serious. <laughs> it's not that serious. It is not that serious. We let's get there. And then this calendar not gonna matter if we don't get there. <laughs> we got we don't we ain't gonna make no more appointments. That's the thing. It's. I put my phone, it goes into like driving mode, like safe driving mode. So once the car starts moving, the phone goes into that disturb and it sends like auto responses back out. Yep. He's yep. driving. If I, I retype myself, like I'm driving, I hit you up and I get back or where I get where I get. However long that is, tough shit. You can That's wait. what it's gonna be. I don't I don't buy Wi-Fi on the plane. I, I get five hours to myself. Why would I wanna talk to you? Nah, that's movie time. Movies and naps. Like Come that's on. it. I don't maybe a good cry. Maybe a good cry, you know what I mean? Well, I, I don't know. Wait a minute. You don't cry on planes? I cry on planes. Nah, I don't want the person beside me just to fall out crying. Like, that's not. That's no, not so you think I'm talking about me. a boohoo? I'm talking about a, just a nice, a nice, what you oh. feel like, a nice Native American tear? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you don't ever just put, uh, take an edible and then watch a deep movie and then you get that one tear, you'd be like, God, it got me. You know what? Okay, so edibles and movies. For me, they don't go together well because then I like overanalyze the movie and I realize how dumb the script sounds. I, I love I love being high when I when I because you dismantle the whole thing. Like I was watching, you, you know what you need to watch high? Take an edible and watch Hunger Games. That shit changed. <laughs> that shit different. I ain't gonna tell you what you're gonna see, but that shit different. You're gonna be like, this is a metaphor for, oh my goodness. <laughs> And don't let Rue die. If you see Rue die, that tear it's coming. That, that, that tear is coming. Let just let it happen. Trail tear. It's gonna happen. All right. So you you break into comedy. How did you go from comedy into acting? Because uh, you didn't act on like little stuff. Nah, I, I I made a jump quick. So I got to. Uh, it's hard because it's hard because you know once you get in a position, 
to at least where people want to be, right? And not to say, I mean, there's, there's places that I went to when I was sent to, and I got friends who are doing what I want to do. And then, you right. know, you got people who you cool with or, you know, people's kids or whatever, like, who ask you for advice, how did you get here? And it's very difficult for me because I, um, especially like the first two or three years of my career is is very unlikely. So um, I did a, uh, at the time it was called uh, NBC Standard for Diversity. Right, so it was like a, it was like a national um, uh, stand-up competition through NBC and like the you know the diversity inclusion program of like trying to find you know brown people, non-white people, yeah. or you know whether you're gonna be a writer or a director or or uh, an actor or a comedian. And I had done this competition like four years in a row, and then every year like chipped away at a little more than the last year. Uh, I kind of figured out the formula of, of what they're looking for and how to how to make it to the finals. And then I, I ended up getting in and, and getting this deal, uh, this holding deal with, uh, with NBC. So that was like September of 2011. And I moved to LA August 2011, early August 2011. And three weeks in, I book a commercial. Didn't have an agent, didn't have a manager. Book like a national commercial. Then I book like a few more commercials. And then two months later, I get a development deal with. I mean, by November, I got to LA in August. By November, I had a deal with NBC. Wow. And then, um, I mean, dude, I'm on a less than a year in. I'm I'm a regular on a TV show. I'm not like a you know guest star. Like I got my names in the top. You know what I mean? So like that was yeah. It was like less than a year in. So people ask me like, man, I don't know how this should happen. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I watched the business and I was trying to you know figure out the formula for what people look for and the business align with me. But yeah, it's kind of hard for me to give how it happened because I'm still learning. I'm like, I'm on the job training. I got to set my first day. I auditioned for that show like six times. I get to set, there's a dude dressed just like me. That's how ignorant I was. I didn't know what a stand-in was. <laughs> I had no idea. I was like, why is this nigga dressed? Is that, is that my replacement? Why is he dressed just like me? <laughs> I was mad. They were like, hey, Tone, calm down. It's your stand-in. Like, so <laughs> when they rehearsed it, I was like, oh, okay, all right. Uh -oh. What's your name, right, bro? And, and then we became friends. But like, it, it was, I'm learning on the fly. I really don't know what's, what's happening. Yeah. And but that's the crazy thing is is people people try to they try to figure out the industry before going into it and you can't do that because none of it's the same right so each person that you end up interacting with is going to be different than the last person so what that person is looking for ain't what this person looking for yeah so they're like be funny they're like be serious this one's like cry this one's like i don't know just go away so it's just everybody's different it's hard to figure out the formula of Los Angeles, right? Or even just of entertainment, period. I mean, I think you got to know who you are or like who you're, you know, who you're striving to be and don't let that path change. But at the same time, you got to keep your ears and eyes open. I'm like, what's the trend? Like, what's what's happening right now? Don't get swallowed up in just trying to get on. I mean, there's plenty of stuff that, I've, man, this shows that movies that I've not done that I got offered. And then this motherfucker blew up afterwards. Like, ah, maybe I should have done that. Or it's, but I like what my career is. I mean, I haven't stopped working in 10 years and you don't know when that's going to, yeah, you know, the ebbs of, I mean, the roller coasters, the peaks and valleys of this can be jarring. Yeah, it gets serious quick. Yeah, quickly. All right, so you you jump in, you jump on, you're moving through 
through the LA life. Um, how do you adjust like when the fame part starts to kick in? Maybe. Because well, you may not see it as famous like you're, you're kind of famous. Oh yeah, I mean, that I get, but also I just, I don't know, man. It's like, I, it, okay, so here's, here's what's hard to relate to people is um, my 20s was interesting. I've already done this shit once, mm -hmm. right? So with the job that I had in my 20s, all the same places I get invited to now, being, you know, whatever level of fame or celebrity I have, I was already doing that, but yeah. just not with no with no title in, in the industry. Because I worked for, I worked in entertainment and marketing for Anheuser-Busch, so a lot of parties, a lot of events, a lot of, I was already rubbing elbows with these people but wasn't on the same level with it, not the same industry. So we were sponsoring all this kind of stuff. So I was at Russell Simmons crib at the Hamptons for this yellow party, uh, you know, that we sponsored with Forrest Whitaker and, and Angela Bassett and all them. And I've been with D-Wade and DJ Reed down in Miami doing this and, and rubbing them with Jamie Foxx and T.I. And I mean, I, I had access to all that, not yeah. as friends with them, but I've seen a lot of it before. So it didn't catch me when I went to Hollywood because I kind of already, it didn't it didn't make me go like oh yeah you know so it's so it's like oh i can i've already been there so i turned out i don't go to a lot of stuff because i'm like oh I'm, unless it's gonna be crazy special i hear about it and the nights i should be there i feel like i go but i, I keep working man it's like I've, I've done i see a lot of cats get taken by the nightlife and just the the, the fast life of you should be way ahead of me mm -hmm. but you out here trying to get pussy too much. You out here trying to, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They fell in the lane of trying to be seen. It's you don't always got to be seen. This is your second album. Uh, yeah, kind of. So, my, so the first album was just the audio from my first special, from my first okay. album special. So, yeah, they just took the the audio from Showtime special or whatever, and then and then put it on iTunes and all the platforms, whatever. So this one is just this one's just uh, just audio I recorded in Austin. So. One Night in Austin is literally a comedy album that you put together specifically to make a comedy album. Correct. Correct. With with you again, like admiring the legends, is that a reason why you did it? Man, it yes and no. I mean, I think it's something cool about. Uh, I mean, people don't have a lot of time sometimes just to sit down and watch an hour, right? It's or you I, I, you want drive time. Yeah. And the stories that like, not that I didn't want to do a special, but you know, over the last year and a half, I didn't get the 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 reps in of the act outs I needed or to, to get this story off the practice enough for that. And it was just some stuff that, that was left over from 2019 that I really liked talking about, some stuff I developed in 2020, some stuff that was kind of just, and some stuff that had just happened. And I just wanted to put it out there. So I, I, we didn't tell the crowd I was recording. They didn't know it was gonna be an album. So it's very organic and just just like a, a one night at a club in Austin. So it, it's that's what you would see if I was in Kansas City, if I was in Philly, if I was in Atlanta, it's like, it's just a club set. It's just kind of what I, what I was working on at the time. And then now I can burn it. Nice. It's out there, I can like stop and I can move on. And like what's, it, and I think it's, a transition album of now I'm getting a little more raw and it's it's a little more uh, um, it's a little darker and it's a little more graphic than I'm used to doing. Mm -hmm. So 
to me it's going to be a nice you know just i'm jumping from this lily pad to the next of, of all right let's grow up a little bit and uh i've always been kind of i mean kind of safe i mean I, I i touch and go but it's but it's i've always been you know anybody from 18 to 80 can enjoy this and now it's like some 80 year olds the new stuff 80 year olds probably not gonna want to hear and 18 year olds probably gonna be like i don't like that <laughs> so now it's gonna be like yeah. you know hopefully you know 25 year olds to 50 year olds this i'm in your lane now this this is this is my demo nice it's what happens when when you're not being funny because like there's some shit in life just ain't funny and it's like is people think that comedians are always on and that's not the case so when when it's not funny like how do you you mean just like out in the world just, as far as like just like in you know if people want to be funny and i'm or or you're talking about like when i'm on stage and it's not funny nah not having you on stage is not funny i don't want to i don't want to do that to you um <laughs> i mean sometimes shit don't go well i don't, don't want to pull up no bad memories <laughs> like tank quickly but not just like just like life um because he was like you know there's things that happen and it's not funny and people look to you to bring humor to a situation it's like I'm, i don't want to laugh about this like i don't want to laugh right now like how do you how do you adjust with that i mean i think it's how you start uh, it's it's what you i've never been the comic that's always on and i mean if i mean everybody holds court sometimes and that i guess those are your moments to be like the the winner of funny right now or to be the to the um um like I'm, 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 uh, I'm conducting the funny in this group right now, and sometimes right. you just like I'm gonna let other people have it. But when people know that you're not always on, they respect it. I think a lot of times. Sometimes, you, like you said, it's they want you to lighten the mood, and, and you don't. Man, a lot of comics end up being joke savers for a lot of people because there's always that one dude or one chick in the group that thinks they're hilarious, and you don't want you don't want them to get their feelings hurt, so you save their joke over and over again, and you go, right. No, nah, I'm gonna let you crash and burn on this one. Because <laughs> you're only saying you're only saying that you need to bomb in this conversation. You right. need to bomb right now because you need to be humble. Like so. tone. Mm-mm. <laughs> mm-mm. Nope. Not, mm-mm. <laughs> I'm gonna go to the bathroom. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna Sit. let you have this. <laughs> that shit's not working. <laughs> no, try again. Try again. I'm not gonna say no. that. They look to you to be like you gonna help. You like mm-mm. 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 But I mean, if, if 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 man, if I don't like if I don't. I tell people too, man. I, I'm I'm kind of an asshole with that. Like I I'll tell people, man, I'm not in the mood. I'm I, I ain't feeling it. I'm off today. Um, and people expect it all the time. And I just tell people, man, like if if this is my Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is my day. I, I mean, I I like that. Months, every few months, I take a tone a tone day, and nobody bothers me. I ain't trying to be funny. I ain't trying to do no work. I go get me a bottle of champagne, some orange juice, and some pork rinds. I watch TV and get high. <laughs> it's a tone that don't call me. Mimosas and pork rinds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you from Atlanta. <laughs> you from Atlanta. Oh, I, go, I, go, I go mimosas and some skins, baby. Like I, I take my day, and, and if it's a Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday, you can call me. But Wednesday... And they'll hey, you call tone? No, he's taking the tone day. Don't you not? You not? Because because that man, you get burnt out. Yeah, you get burnt out from and people. 
from people. And it's just it's just people, just people and personalities. Like I, there's certain people who just get to a point where it's like I can't deal with you today. Like love you, amazing friends. I just I can't take you right. today. Right. But also when it comes to comedy, people people put on that moment that you're not being funny because they expect you to. Now it's automatically depression. You're like nigga, I'm just not like, being funny today. <laughs> what's wrong? Like. <laughs> Are you, no, really? What's, no, what's wrong? Like, there's something has to be wrong. You're not. You're normally, you know, silly, laughing, goofy. Like, dude, I'm just not in the mood. Man, every car runs out of gas. Man, like, let me, let me fill back up. I'm just, I'm off today. I'm not depressed. I'm just not talking. It's okay. I think the thing that is, I'll say, on my side, rewarding um, from comedians is that there's that those things in life that are like painful are that could typically hurt someone else and you guys find a way to laugh about it um in ways that we can't even acknowledge whatever it is that's going on like when when that happens family specifically has there been jokes that have gone too far for them and they're like that's just not funny like you can't be laughing at your crackhead on like that's not that's not funny in the family i think I'm, I'm 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 one of those believers in like everything is funny if it's said the right way i don't care what it is and at the same time yeah you do want to respect people's boundaries and how much you want to put out there about them <laughs> but i mean at the end of the day i mean if it's also, sometimes if if it's with family and they get upset, they don't realize how mo- much of a compliment it is. Yeah, because you made it in. <laughs> you made the set. You made the set. You made it in. Right. If, you, if, yeah. if you want to like, I got other jokes about everybody else. <laughs> you made the cut. You should be saying thank you. <laughs> you don't realize. All this other shit I could be talking about everybody else that you would probably laugh at. Like my dad, my dad would took it hard for a while for at first. Yeah. Like on my first special, he he did not. My very first special with Comedy Central, my cousin didn't realize he thought I was talking shit about him. And he was mad for a while, and then friends and family heard it. Especially his friends were like, "Yo, that bit he do about you was hilarious." And then he was like, "Oh, people know me from this," and then then he loved it. But people they. It's 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 often people that can't take the joke, no matter like you know those people like if you especially all the homies that are roasting, and that dude yeah. that can only give it but can't take it. Yeah. And those, see, I think those are people yeah. that those are the people that that can't appreciate. I turn this into something because it's really not about you. I gave mm-hmm. I'm 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 giving somebody I'm related to. They can think about someone just like this that they know. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just person. giving you a metaphor. I'm just giving them the parallel. You taking it yeah. personal. Next time, you're not gonna be in the shit. That's what that's that's what happened. <laughs> I could keep talking about you and make you at least famous in your community, but no, nah, we're done. No, 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 we're done. I'll give it to somebody else next time. It's, a, it's okay. My bad. It won't happen again. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You don't deserve these jokes. No, nah, nah, not these jokes. Not this stage. <laughs> <laughs> not this stage. The shit's inevitable. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. So like, if you can't laugh about this shit now, it's like, but also those are the people who don't want to laugh. Like, I, you've already de- you've already decided this is not gonna be funny to me. 
no, I'm not laughing about this. I'm not going to appreciate the day I'm not doing it. And, that, and, and so it's like, you can't help them people, but you also, you need them. Yes, I was, right. at, I was at my uh, my great uncle's funeral a while ago, a couple years ago, and uh, they wanted me to speak. And I was like, I really don't know this. <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> I was like, so when I got up, I was like, man, I got to be honest. I don't know him as well as I should, but he worked all the time. So let me tell you what I do have is, what I learned is he's go, I mean, this month, he leaves at 6 a.m., he comes back at nine. His work ethic is what I know him from. I don't really, he always made sure that my great aunt was good, kids was good, there's a roof over the, you know what I mean, the grass was cut, the pool was full. I mean, yeah. I don't know him personally, to be honest with you, but I bet you my work ethic comes from a lot of him. I never yeah. saw him. Yeah. So it was like, then it was like, oh, now we get the humor of what you just said. Like, I don't really know this nigga. I don't really know him. <laughs> That's it. Is is you gotta? Life is short, man. You gotta you gotta find ways to laugh at some things because everything you can't walk around serious all the time. It's uh, it'll yeah. kill you. It literally will kill you. Yeah. I'm mean, you staying stressed. I mean, everybody wants to be offended or or uh, you know, say no to, I mean, people, the no police right now, people love saying no, people like, that's inappropriate. And it's like, all right, at least you feel some way about it. I, I give you that, but don't try to take away my livelihood because you don't agree. And also, just because I say it doesn't mean it's a belief. Yeah. I can make a statement and not declare it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then we get I wrote that. this shit, this shit is written in pencil, not pen, let it go. <laughs> Gotta use that.